And it hurts so good when it does that. Greetings, friends, and uh, welcome to another awe-inspiring discussion on linoleum stain removal and what to do with those spare body parts during festive holiday gatherings. Yes, this is indeed the highly non-dogmatic fuse box, and I'm your potentially real enough to fool you host, Mark Rose, applauding your obvious impeccable taste for pushing play on this episode of uh, the program uh, over there, seeing much better than when we last convened. The uh, master of plastic rotating discs and levers of vertical stimulation, Milt Keynes, everybody. Yeah, I my glasses, all right. Do you know how much of a pain in the ass it is to clean peanut oil off of lenses? The mind boggles. But I can somewhat imagine the process, yeah. Oh, and uh, perhaps we should uh, enlighten those who may have missed that morsel of ear food on the last show. Uh, Milt had uh, misplaced his spectacles and... Oh, no. Clearly, they were hijacked by your furry accomplices, the Japanese pocket squirrels. My guess is Milo grabbed them. Yeah, because it doesn't sound like the kind of thing that Eco would be into. (laughs) So, uh, you have profiled them, have you? (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean... uh, Eco's determined as hell, but she's she's not a thief, you know. Milo, on the other hand, well, he's just like the the, the GPS answer to Fantomas or something. Uh, did you just say Fantomas? Yeah. Does that surprise you? You know, I do read. You know? Yeah, but a fairly obscure thief from 1911 is a pretty good pull, buddy. Yeah, yeah. All right, okay. I like the movies. So there. Is that it? I'm not ashamed. Ah, well, not at all. I mean, very cool. Cool indeed. Milo will be very honored to be in such company as uh, Marcella Lane's most popular character. Bravo! Whatever. So, uh, yeah, I had to... Uh, I'd love to hear your uh, theories on Vidoc as well. Okay, now let's not get slap happy about it. (laughs) So, yeah, I found them, the glasses. And in the media room upstairs, covered in peanut butter and hair. Oh, so in other words, untouched. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they they were touched, all right. So it took about an hour to get that crap off the specs, but but I did it. And they're fine and all's well. For now. Yeah. Well, you know, if it's any consolation, this weekend I had a situation of a similar intention. Uh, now, I know Milo has made off with not only my phone, but friends' phones as well, and sometimes in clear view of all present. Just kind of goes to the bag, or coat, or what have you, and lifts it out and happily scurries away with it. Now, these days, we have uh, apps that can find the aforementioned phone by causing uh, the missing device to beep till you locate it. And uh, for me personally... <laughs> That has been a lifesaver. Can't you put the damn thing up higher or or, or lock a door or something? Well, you know, I often do. But uh, there are times when, for whatever reason, it's left unattended for a moment. And and that's all it takes, friends. A moment. 
And that rascal has the phone in his mouth and is dashing up three flights of stairs to whatever realm he goes to with that. But uh, this past weekend, I had to run an errand or two and was uh, getting ready to go when I discovered my wallet was missing. So, naturally, as we all do, I retraced my steps. And uh, as I did, I discovered a, a trail of uh, credit cards and assorted plastic items leading up the stairs to the back room where, tucked away under a storage box, was the wallet. You take any money? What money? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I feel your pain. He's, uh, he's getting worse the older he gets. Hell, maybe you should uh, farm him out to the feds as a secret agent or something. Ooh, 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 ooh. Black Ops Milo. Yeah, yeah, he'd be in for that. So, uh, speaking of Black Ops, although I don't know what this has to do with that, uh, show number 50 is uh, right around the corner, friends, and uh, I've been uh, beating the drum about it now for a while. Uh, it is truly going to be a fun show and uh, we've got all manner of things planned from the far reaches of the time-space continuum so please be double darn sure to join us for that one and uh, and coming up on this edition of the show we have another scintillating installment from the video vixen as she offers some thoughts on patty chayefsky's screenplay network Yes, and but also a tidbit or two from the Office of Information Anomalies, courtesy of Jody Lorimer. And also, I wanted to uh, chat a little bit about a subject that has uh, popped up on a couple of shows on the OnSug channel recently, that of dogma. All this and so much less in but a brief gap of time and space. In the interest of full public disclosure, the Government Office of Informational Anomalies periodically informs the public of incidents that may give rise to aversion, panic, severe anxiety, or downright repugnance. A woman in New York City has released a video in which she brought a bucket of live crickets and worms onto the subway and attempted to sell them to the passengers. It turns out it was all a prank to, she later stated, demonstrate how poorly people are prepared to deal with an emergency. Sure enough, when a fellow performer attempted to attack her as part of the performance, she responded with an hysterical meltdown. No one stepped in to help her but rather went for their cell phones to photograph the incident and be the first to post it on Facebook. Presumably, the passengers were pleased someone wanted to subdue her. A passenger commented, That bitch got bugs in a bucket. The bucket, however, was knocked from her hands in the scuffle with the alleged assailant, sending live crickets and worms into the hair and clothing of nearby passengers, who reacted hysterically by shrieking, leaping, slapping themselves, and exiting the train at lightning speed ASAP. One concerned passenger pulled the train's emergency brake, stopping the train, adding to the confusion and adding to the general stress by making everyone late for wherever they were going. And when they arrived, they would have to explain the worms in their hair and cricket legs on their suits. The woman claimed to be an actress who professed responsibility for the prank, although her stardom, at this point, 
is questionable. Continuing in the critter and prank department, a young man in Florida, of course, Florida, was arrested for using an alligator as a deadly weapon. Joshua James, 24, was detained and held on a charge of assault with a deadly weapon without intent to kill. He had ordered a drink from a drive through restaurant at 1.30 in the morning. When the sleepy window attendant handed James his drink, he responded by throwing a four-foot alligator through the window and drove off. The half-awake attendant was now fully awake, terrified, and throwing chicken nuggets at the alligator. Both were reported unhurt. The offender's mother dismissed her son's indictment, claiming that he did it as a prank and because he thought it was funny. And now, Milt's favorite segment. Hey, don't start with me. <laughs> no, no, no. I wouldn't dare. But uh, it is a fave, right? Right? Yeah. <laughs> All righty then. The lovely Miss Perez, also known as the Video Vixen, has some observations on the brilliant Sidney Lumet film Network. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Network, 1976. Director, Sidney Lumet. Stars, Peter Finch, Faye Dunaway, William Holden, Ned Beatty, Robert Duvall, Beatrice Strait. This cast is a dream come true. Newscaster Howard Beale is mad as hell and he's not going to take it anymore. Patty Chayefsky's biting satire is masterfully directed by Sidney Lumet and features stellar acting by the entire cast. Peter Finch, Faye Dunaway, and Beatrice Strait all won Oscars for their performances. This film is intelligent and filled with pitch-black humor. The volatile economic, environmental, and political climates of today resonate with the same issues the United States faced back in 1975. See this film. There's a reason this masterpiece is rated one of the top 100 films by the American Film Institute. Network news is not about truth, it's about ratings. Ratings are about money. It's television, not reality. It's all summed up in the riveting scene with Ned Beatty as he explains the true nature of the system in which we live. Pure genius. The dialogue is so fantastic in this movie that you can just listen to the words and still be profoundly affected. The bonus, you get to experience the guilty pleasure of hearing class act Hollywood gentry like William Holden saying, fuck you. I love it. I'm the Video Vixen, and remember, behave yourselves. Yeah, 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 truly, truly one of my faves. This film, uh, as she mentioned just then, uh, has one of the most memorable scenes in film history where uh, Ned Beatty's character gets to tell William Holden's character about the true nature of reality. Not just in entertainment, but in the whole damn world. Yeah, I remember doing a little 
shudder when I first saw this thing. Yeah. You know, I, I was wondering how the guy that wrote that was still standing upright. Well, uh, uh, that guy who wrote it, Patty Chayefsky, had a reputation for uh, endorsing the red pill, if you know what I mean. Always controversial and a terrific writer. Check out Hospital, if you haven't seen that. Uh, Altered States was written by him as well, but I'd advise the book on that one as um, Ken Russell's treatment was a wee psychedelic, fun, but uh, Mr. Chayefsky was, uh, I think, looking for a slightly different slant there. <laughs> so, uh, so indeed, check Network out if you have uh, missed it in your cinematic travels, and you will not be disappointed at all. And uh, since we're talking about film and related topics, I, I wanted to just take a moment to address a, a subject that has come up on a couple of the shows here on uh, the OnSug channel. Started at first by uh, the highly charming uh, Mike Booty, who hosts the always entertaining Midnight Citizen program, where uh, he posited the idea of a podcaster's dogma 16 a series of uh, suggested rules for podcasters to adhere to. And this got me to thinking about dogma in film, which relates to this notion, and it ties all back, I promise you. Should we be taking notes? Well, only if you have a number two pencil. And there will be a quiz. Mom, Mark's playing teacher again. <laughs> <laughs> In 1995, uh, a filmmaker I actually like very much, Lars von Trier, um, and collaborator Thomas Vinterberg, created a list of rules for what they called the Dogma 95 Collective. Now, I'm quoting the wiki blurb here. It says here, The goal of the Dogma Collective is to purify filmmaking by refusing expensive and spectacular special effects post-production modifications, and other technical gimmicks. The filmmakers concentrate on the story and the actors' performances. They believe this approach may better engage the audience as they are not alienated or distracted by overproduction. Now, actually, the spirit of this idea was pretty cool. A highly disciplined method of filmmaking, which um, would certainly afford the actor an amazing opportunity to be challenged in a whole new way. So uh, let me let me just read you these rules. They're, they're, they're 10, but they're short. So let me just shoot through them so you, you have a context for this. Uh, the first one here says, shooting must be done on location. Props and sets must not be brought in. If a particular prop is necessary for the story, a location must be chosen where this prop is to be found. The sound must never be produced apart from the images or vice versa. Music must not be used unless it occurs where the scene is being shot. The camera must be handheld. Any movement or immobility attainable in the hand is permitted. The film must be in color. Special lighting is not acceptable. If there is too little light for the exposure, the scene must be cut. Or a single lamp may be attached to the camera. Optical work and filters are forbidden. Temporal and geographical alienation are forbidden. That is to say that the film takes place here and now. Genre movies are not acceptable. The film format must be Academy 35mm. The director must not be credited. So, 
you can kind of get the drift here as to what was expected of folks attempting to make a film in this style. Uh, there were several films made this way by a number of international directors, including the two authors of this uh, manifesto. About, I guess, uh, 27 or so films were made like this. Um, Wait, the director can't be credited? Well, that's going to be popular. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's this way or the highway, friend. It's also interesting to note that uh, many of these filmmakers were not terribly well-known outside of their own countries. So, like, any recognition they would have achieved was somewhat squelched by the non-notoriety clause here. But the clincher for me was, and this is what brought it home, was that in 1998, just three years after this manifesto was drafted, Lars van Trier abandoned this idea because it was too, and I'm quoting, too constricting a format. You think? <laughs> well, let me also say that it's pretty widely known that Mr. von Trier is quite the prankster. He's been known to hand the audience, as well as his collaborators, an exploding banana many times. A film he made a few years back, which I absolutely love, called The Five Obstructions, was an attempt to have a, a, a mentor of his, uh, Jorgen Leth, remake his short film, The Perfect Human, but make it five times with the absolute craziest of conditions that he could come up with. And that is something to watch. Hilarious, inspirational, and, and, and wonderful all at the same time. But the reason I bring all this up in the first place was uh, to bring it all home to this podcast dogma thing, which... Uh, We're going to have to do the show in our underpants, covered in motor oil or something? Uh... No, 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 never again, ever, ever again, I promise. No, the, uh, the manifesto in this thing um, was far less demanding. Uh, Mike Booty's recommendations um, were as follows, and, and there, there were seven of them, and I'm going to just paraphrase them a little bit there's a, a link in the show notes to the whole Megillah, so if you want to check that out. Number one says, no sponsors. You don't need sponsors. It's your show, and no one else should have a say in it. Feel free to ask for donations, but don't take them under stipulation to review something or talk about a specific topic. Number two, no guests as a formatting choice. Don't lock yourself into a format where every show you have to book another guest. Number three, no editing. Don't be afraid to keep all the ums and the you knows. You'll only get better at talking if there are stakes for failing. If you can freely edit out all of the gaffes, then there is no incentive to stop doing them. Number four, no music unless found. Number five, no script. Number six, genre is fine, but don't fear digression. Number seven, no running time. Don't limit yourself to a running time. Now, I gotta say that uh, Fusebox is proud to have broken all seven of these guidelines at one time or another. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, goodness gracious. Yeah, we get some kind of award for doing that. You know, case of you who or something. Ah, probably not. Probably not. 
But no, but speaking uh, purely as a producer of this show, all right, I can share with you the, the fuse box philosophy. And uh, the, the reason I started this thing in the first place, folks, was to give myself and, and the boatload of talented folks around here a chance to play and in many ways to challenge ourselves in ways that uh, aren't commonly asked of us in this business, or at least not frequently enough for my taste. Since I'm not producing a long-form radio drama series as I was for many years, this just gave me the opportunity to keep those production muscles from atrophying. And, uh, and I also realize that everybody doesn't come at this with the same experiences. And frankly, that's what I love about this medium. You have all kinds of voices out there. So with these recommendations in mind, I want to add that there's a, a, a component missing from, from both of these. Lars and company there kind of insinuated it, but at least in my mind, this one component that I'm referring to is, is 50% of the equation. And that is the audience. Communication, and I don't care what style of show it is, requires two elements, the speaker and the audience. You know, and I don't, I just don't buy this uh, creation in a vacuum model. You know, the, the notion that a person creates something just for him or herself. I got to tell you, I, I've yet to encounter a person that does any internet deliverable content for the sole purpose of no one seeing or hearing it. <laughs> That's pigwind. Hey, careful with the language. There may be pigs listening. <laughs> Are you kidding? They make up a considerable audience cue. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so regardless of audience size, we're, we're all doing this stuff for someone in addition to ourselves. Otherwise... I, you know, we could just as easily stand in our rooms and shout into a broom handle for what it's worth. With that, with that in mind, we, we need to be aware that um, our audience's time is a really, really big consideration. If they're staring down the clock hands of a six-hour epic, they might be reconsidering the entertainment value. Unless, of course, they're driving across the great state of Texas. You know what I'm saying? But, but also, add to that a wheelbarrow full of gratitude for our listeners for uh, even pushing play on our humble offerings, if you know what I mean. So anyway, all of this serves to uh, kind of create a, a series of responsibilities for us as programmers to fulfill. Now, now to me, if I had a list to propose, it, uh, it would be short and non-negotiable. <laughs> and it's like this. Do what you do genuinely and consider your audience. That's it. See, the thing is, if somebody wants to do a, a three-ring circus of a show with two-headed dancing bears and clowns constructed from baked beans banging on pots and pans, then do it. If you want to sit in a bubble bath and, and read poetry while your poodle drinks the bathwater, go ahead, do it. Just go ahead, do it. To me, as long as it's genuine to the person doing it, it works. It's kind of like that saying that many actors know, and, uh, and it goes kind of, yeah, I'm paraphrasing again. If you don't believe it, we won't believe it. And uh, the second part of this is be mindful of your audience. 
And that doesn't mean restricting yourself. It means kind of a, a form of courtesy to me. Um, yeah, I'd agree. Now, you know, you and I have come from uh, the commercial side of things in one way or another. And that has its own spin. Oh, God. You bet it does. I, I, you know, and there again, another set of dogmas. Advertiser or corporate or my favorite, consultant dogma. You know what I mean? Guy breezes into town, unleashes his or her great wisdom, totally changes the station format, which of course was loved at the time, and transforms it into some new, exciting, trend-embracing train wreck of an idea that slowly takes the whole system down because said consultant was uh, at a few other stations in town and convinced them of the same fabulous idea that creates a glut of Stepford-like stations, which eventually... Yes. And hell, if nothing else, look at this uh, attention span thing, man. I mean, when a clip is seven seconds long, and it's considered an epic commitment of time. Oh, oh, I, oh, hey, I know, I know. And good point, too, because uh, uh, we're really being conditioned and uh, have actually been for quite a while to accept this, this sort of, you know, two-second edit thing. You know, if you watch any even moderately popular television show, particularly in this country, um, and, you'll, and you'll see this, they'll, they'll hang on a character just, you know, long enough to establish facial features, right? And then they're off to the next thing. And then they're shooting down the hall. And then they're dollying down the street. And then they're flying around cars. And then, I mean, it's like the camera is an actor in these things, for crying out loud. Well, and, and then contrast that with, with, uh, with some current European TV shows. <laughs> and I swear, man, it's like going to a spa. <laughs> I mean, they hang on a character. They give you time to connect with the character. They're not darting around like some angry wasp with a GoPro. You know what I mean? You know, the overly concentrated whip-whap-boom idea isn't the answer either to me, by the way. Hey, that reminds me. You remember that series from the 80s called Max Headroom? Oh, yeah, sure, sure. Well, remember, well, and I think this was only in the pilot. But they had this thing that uh, the evil advertiser overlords had created called uh, blipverts. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Th they were uh, they were these like um, highly concentrated TV ads that were like time compressed down to like a few minutes milliseconds, right? Yeah, and so and so they would uh, like uh, play a whole bunch of them at once to maximize reach, right? Yeah, and then, and and one time. A bit too many of them got in the stream, and the poor guy's guy's head exploded. Head exploded. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was a fun moment. Uh, not for that guy, but I think at the time, uh, the message was loud and clear, and kind of you know, kind of against the grain. Which also makes the point that we're not saying that we we do some kind of blip cast, heaven forfend, but just a wee bit more sensitive to time. Because that allows us actually to distill our ideas down to a more focused form. And, and in the process, we, we just get a tighter show without feeling like a blipvert. Yeah, you should probably talk about the gear thing. Oh, oh yeah, well, the gear thing. Well, okay, real quick. 
because you know what? I'm sure most of the folks who are producing this type of program know that uh, it doesn't take a second mortgage to record a show. You know, I, I love the way the Zoom recorders sound and the Tascam DR series and a bunch of others that are out there. They're great little boxes. I, I think the major thing to always keep in mind is that we want to hear you. So get the microphone as close to that source as you can. Because we really don't want... See, if it's important for you to share it, it's important for us to hear it. Enough said of that. So, to wrap this up, the irony of uh, manifestos for film or whatever medium is that despite the fact that they are all seemingly designed to be more artistically liberating in this process, what ends up happening is that in the long run, it's actually, quote, too restrictive a format, in the immortal words of Lars von Trier, co-author of Dogma 95. Where'd you put those two-headed bears? Meh. Ech. This is where you make extraordinary skill. No. Ew. Hi, uh, Timmy. Say, why so glum, pal? Oh, hi, Uncle Carl. Gee whiz. What's a guy got to do to find cool merchandise these days, anyway? I've been searching online everywhere, and golly, all I can find is lots and lots of girl-on-girl porn, pictures of cats, and posts from losers who live in their parents' basement playing Pokemon Go. Whatever the fuck that is. But I can't find neato shirts or coffee mugs or anything. Gosh, I'm about to lose my shit. I really want to find a hip flask so I can sneak hooch into church like you, Uncle Carl. But I just can't find any. What the fuck am I going to (laughs) do? Well, Timmy, that sure is a dilly of a dilemma. But here, let me show you where to look. Gosh, look at all that swell merchandise. Wow. Thanks, Uncle Carl. Fusebox is the shit. It sure is, Timmy. It sure is. Thanks to Fusebox, Timmy can get himself a genuine Fusebox hip flask so he can get shit-faced in church just like Uncle Carl who isn't really Timmy's uncle, but is just a nice man who lives in his van down by the river. Find Fusebox hip flasks and other swell merchandise at thefuseboxshow.com. That's thefuseboxshow.com. Uncle Carl, I don't have a credit card. Now what'll I do? Why, that's easy, Timmy. Run in there and get your mother's purse. And on that note of crass commercialism, we'll call it a show. I had fun with this one. You? Fanning the flames of retribution. (laughs) No doubt. No doubt. Well, I have to say, thanks are in order to our uh, collaborators on this edition of Fusebox. Uh, the lovely and talented Mike Booty for inspiring uh, the discourse today and uh, letting me have a little fun with it. And you can check his program out at themidnightcitizen.com and 
Find his uh, full-length Dogma 16 intact as well. And uh, also his shows and his videos and, hey, candles! He's got candles? Yeah! It appears that, that, that Mike makes them uh, himself and uh, scents them all up with exotic aromas. And he's a grade Z horror movie fan as well, so there's that. You got her sister. <laughs> Wouldn't get her anywhere near you. Thanks also to uh, Jody Lorimer for her thought-provoking Office of Information Anomalies bits. Always a treat to have Jody aboard. And to Eric Newsom, known to us here as Mr. Retro. And to Trista Perez, a.k.a. The Video Vixen, for her network commentary. And uh, next time we hear from The Vixen, she will be addressing the highly cerebral sleepaway camp. You really don't want to miss that, do you? No, man. And also to Jeff Pollard for helping Uncle Carl find true happiness in Timmy's room. Thanks, too, to the irascible Milk Canes over there for technical assistance. See you on the Big 5 Yes, indeed. The next show, number 50, is a blowout. So I invite you to celebrate along with us and friends as uh, we commemorate 50 episodes of this thing we call Fusebox. And uh, while you're at it, We'd appreciate a little tick of the stars at your favorite source for this program. Any and all ratings do indeed benefit the show, so, you know, tick away at iTunes or Podcast.com or Stitcher or wherever this thing is showing up, because these days, I don't know. We'd appreciate it, as we appreciate you for taking the time to push play on this one. So, until... Our next cartoon. Fuse box.